Hello and welcome to another episode of The DH Effect. My name is Sonia and I have my amazing co-host Hillary. Hello. At The DH Effect, we embrace ourselves as lifelong learners. When it comes to personal and professional development, there is no such thing as being done or complete or that's it. Instead, we know that learning is infinite and we look for ways to continue elevating ourselves to the next level, whether it's self-awareness or awareness of others and awareness of others. So when we, we acknowledge when we are constantly growing, so is the ripple effect of creating belonging. Isn't that right, Hillary? Oh, it's so true. And I can't think of a better guest than Michael Anthony Mercado. We've just been talking to him this morning and he is just so filled with light and you can see truly, you know, he began his journey with Aveda in 2005. He was a master stylist. And since then, he's become an educator, director, uh, education coach for the Biaveda Institutes, where that's where he currently serves as the director of education. And, you know, it's so interesting because as an Aveda hair color professional, he, he can be seen not only, you know, oh, sure, there I am teaching and there I am in the studio. But no, he is at, you know, on stage at the Aveda Congress, backstage at New York Fashion Week or or presenting at the Aveda Mentor Jam. So all of these exciting things, he really embraces this belief that learning just never ends, which we love. And he dedicates more than he's dedicated more than a decade of his career, helping students and, and educators develop their skills. And it's not just about hair color, because really what it is Every single person that leaves Aveda, he wants them to feel better than when they came in, leaving the best version of themselves in that moment. And oh my gosh, welcome. We, your, our, my heart is just absolutely full in, in knowing and feeling and seeing what it is that you do, Mike. Oh, thank you. Wow. What an amazing uh, introduction. I appreciate that. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here and to kind of connect with you guys. It's amazing. And, you know, I have to be honest, like, you know, when I go down an aisle and I'll see Aveda products, a lot of them, right? Um, I never ask the story behind that product. And you definitely have um, some meaningful stories behind Aveda. We would love for you to start by sharing your story. Like, how did you arrive to Aveda? Where, you know, and was it a place of belonging? So if you don't mind starting there, we would love, we would love to learn about that. Yeah. So with the, uh, with the, you know, when I, I've moved around quite a bit, I've been a bit, a bit of a gypsy, um, originally from Los Angeles, moving to New York City, um, Pennsylvania, and then finding myself in Florida. And as a hairdresser, when you uh, move somewhere new, you kind of got to start from scratch, right? You have to um, build a whole new clientele uh, to be successful and, and you know, to make income. When I moved to Florida, I hadn't yet had any experience with Aveda. But I knew that they were an exclusive brand. Uh, the word that I, I, I often laugh about is I use the word fancy. Uh, they always wore black. They always looked really professional, really sharp. And I had always heard really great things about the brand. So when I moved to Florida, uh, I interviewed and did a technical uh, interview with uh, a salon in Sarasota, uh, which was Aveda. And I immediately, after meeting the owner, owner and, and hearing about their rituals and what we offer our guests, again, which really is now kind of my my core uh, part of my DNA as a hairdresser is really kind of giving back. And again, just like just like Hillary said, people need to leave my space feeling much better than they did when they walked in. And it's not just about 
really pretty hair. It's about feeling really, really good because hopefully if I did my job, I gave them an experience that they, you know, that they will, that they'll carry with them. I, you know, I have to just, <laughs> I have to lean in and give exclamation points and all of that to what you just said, because I think, I actually think that having your, your hairstylist, your hair artist, the person that you choose to work with, I, for me personally, that has to be, uh, there has to be major belonging there for me because that person helps me show up as who I am and helps me find who I am sometimes. And we sit there sometimes for two hours. So I have to be able to guard my energy and protect my energy as well. And so the connection that you provide is so important. And I think for a lot of, sorry, I'm going to pick on, on some of the guys, um, for, for that are out there that just go to the barber and do this really quick cut or whatever. And it, and they're not very loyal for those who really like see that I'm looking back and I have cried leaving my stylist before when I'm moving because that person holds my secrets. They hold, I, I feel like there is a part of what you do. That's not just this makeover and helping people leave feeling better but also lighter because of what you hold. I'm just curious. And I know we have all this education. I'm taking a, a completely left turn. Sonia's like, oh my gosh, here she goes. But it's really what's on my heart. I always wonder, how do you hold all of that? When people come sit in your chair, you hear everything. You hear more than psychiatrists here, I think, in my opinion. How do you hold all of that and still show up to your next person leaving them better than when they came in. Yeah, that's an interesting, uh, that's really interesting because that's a very, you know, it's very, it can be very exhausting, right? I'm a, I'm a big believer in energy. And so you have to always, always protect your energy because it, it's people come in your chair and you never know what you're going to get. Um, you know, I, I'm going to paraphrase a story here, but it really gives an example of that. Um, but there is a, a man who is actually one of the very first students of the Aveda Institute um, in Minneapolis. Uh, and his name is David Wagner. And he has an amazing book out there um, that I think anyway, a beautiful book out there. Um, and he he's kind of coined the phrase daymaker, right? And so people say, you know, what do you do for a living? He says, I'm a daymaker, right? And his belief is, 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 is how can you impact someone's day um, to change their world. And this kind of kicked off from the very beginning with, um, let's go back to, um, he was in his salon and a guest came in and she sat down and he, she was there earlier than she normally is. And he said, well, why, you know, why are we here today? And she said, I just want to look really, really good um, today. Um, so I, I just want a nice shampoo, a nice style. And he said, great. So they did it and they had their 30 minutes together and everything was fantastic. And then what happened was he ended up, um, she ended up leaving and he went on with his day, but I guess a couple weeks later he received a letter from her and he said, uh, and his letter said, her letter said, David, I want to thank you very much for the time that you spent with me because, um, I wanted my hair to look good for you. Be, or look good because I was planning to commit suicide that night. But our 30 minutes together and the joy you brought to me um, helped me. And I ended up connecting with my sister. We checked me into a hospital and I'm working on myself now. Right. Uh, and that's where he 
um, where he adopted the, the, the term daymaker, right? Um, and it's now, of course, part of our DNA. It's definitely had an impact. His story had such an impact on me. I have one very, very similar. Um, but it, it goes back to, yeah, you never know what you're going to get in your chair, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have to show up every day and be um, be the best version of ourselves to to change, you know, to change people's lives. Oh my gosh. I mean, Michael, you are so speaking our, our language and we all, we have so many conversations about, you just, you just don't know every, every interaction. It could be at the grocery store at checkout. It can be at the gas station. I mean, these little really micro interactions with others and, and maybe that other person is having a really bad time and maybe he's show he or she's showing up. And it's really crummy way if you go in with judgment but if we went in with curiosity and we always, there's a question, don't, don't ask um, what's wrong, but what happened? For sure. And, you know, that, the, the energy, you know, that is one of our superpowers in terms of working on it. It's, and, and if I can bring in the thermostat, you know, we, we are the th- thermostat of energy and we can control how we want to show up and that will impact how the other will respond and that is such a great example um, of, and for, for, is it Dave or David to receive his guest and not needing to know, but just knowing that the energy is the most important and that's it. That's it. That's this, that, yeah. that pebble that causes the, the ripple effect. Um, I am so curious about when, before you even entered the doors of Aveda, you had an interesting journey yourself. And I think that that journey is a contributor to you becoming the director of education for the B Aveda Institute. Would you mind sharing that a bit? Uh, because I think that's so important for, for us to hear. Yeah. So like I said, school never worked out for me traditionally. Um, so I was always um, working various jobs um, as a server in a restaurant or a, um, a receptionist somewhere or um, a music store. I just never knew again, like I said, I never knew what I wanted to do because I've always wanted to do so many things, but I always lived with this fear of what if you pick the wrong thing to attack, right? Um, and, and you wasted years of your life. So instead of doing it that way, I wasted years of my life not starting any particular journey, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I just worked uh, various, various jobs. And it, at one point when it comes to, um, um, finally going to school um it was it was cosmetology and i did it because um the only way it actually happened was i i working one of my various odd jobs i uh found a salon that was hiring for receptionists someone to clean their shelves stock their shelves and just kind of answer answer the phones and and uh, i needed a job immediately because i wasn't making enough money at my other part-time job and i was there for about six months and we had about seven stylists there and, and they were all women and they all said, oh, my gosh, Mike, you should you should go to school to become a, a hairdresser. Um, I think you'd be really great at it. And I, you know, I scoffed at it and I'm like, I'm not going to be a hairdresser. No way. Um, at that point in my life, one of the things that I was very interested in was um, was graphic design and arts, because I do know uh, everything that I wanted to do. It has to do with creation. It's always been about what can I create? So art has always been a part of my of one of the, I I will end up doing art in some form, right? Um, So I'm in the salon, I'm answering phones, and and all it took was just a couple of those girls to plant that seed in my head, right? And I remember from that point on kind of watching them work, and I got to see that in the haircutting, um, you know, geometry is involved. 
right? And elevation and, and, um, and, and there was a science to it. And I had never, I had just never known that. I, I just never thought of it that way. I thought, oh, they're just, they just cut hair, but there was such a, an art to it. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And then when they worked with color and I would ask questions, then I saw all the chemistry that was involved. And I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a math nerd and, and I love some science stuff. So it, it just, it was like, really like, wow, this is, this is interesting. I didn't know this. And I thought, well, okay, you keep putting school off. Um, you not finding your dream job yet. Why don't we work here? And why don't we go to school and do hair that way? When you graduate, you can then work in a salon, make fairly good money, and then maybe go to art school and not have to work in a restaurant. I thought, well, that, there's, that, that's what I'll do. So I said, finally, we'll, we'll do it. So I enrolled in, in, in a beauty school. Um, it was not a VEDA, um, but I did learn what I needed to learn. And then immediately I, I went back to that salon. I stayed there the entire time, um, part-time mansion phones while I was going to school. Um, and uh, and within, you know, within six months, because I had been there already so long, throughout my school journey and prior to, they immediately made me an assistant director, I'm sorry, assistant manager of the salon. And, uh, and I was just doing hair and, and rocking it out. And I, I, I don't know, I don't know when it happened, but somewhere in that first six months, I just fell in love with what I was doing. Um, and it was, and I thought, okay, where can we take this? What's the next elevation of yourself? Um, so from that point on, um, you know, I ended up moving to New York and doing hair there. And then again, moving to to Florida and doing hair here, but you know, a lot more uh, of that journey. You know, little things happen within that journey. But what I what I did discover finally is that um, I did find my calling, and it was time to stop looking for another door to walk into to leave mm. another job. Right, I finally found what I had been you know craving for so long, and that was that was a meaningful career. It took a really long time to get there. Oh, that's amazing. And, and you also you also said in terms of the intuition. So it, it's uh, so interesting to hear about the development of that, the intellectual engagement, the interest, you know, the the skill set. But there's something else that you shared as well is fully knowing you, you talked about families coming into the, the you know, beauty school and, and, and the layers of judgment in terms of sure. more so for the parents. And for you, it was the growing into that confidence that you probably always knew. Would you say that? Like, yeah, oh, you I'm know right. Back, um, there was a point when I, when I came into my first Aveda salon and, um, you know, I, I was working in a, in a, in a, in a wealthy community and I'm now, you know, I'm at the, the highest peak of me professionally with, with the artistry that I'm doing and the, uh, a really exclusive brand and, and you know, um, I'm, I'm, I find myself doing these services, and and compared to where I started, the cost of my haircuts and my color and the work that I was doing was definitely elevated, right? Um, and I'm now selling these amazing products, and compared to these little products I had used in the past, which were you know they were what they were, but now Aveda products they 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 walk the walk, and they're a brilliant it's a brilliant product, right? So. Um, I just know that all these guests are now leaving my salon and I'm listening to what they're being, um, what they're being charged overall, their, their ticket. And I, and there was a moment where I said, okay, 
I I made it. I did something wrong here. I I found a, a, a an oops because I'm gonna rewind back to high school. Um, one of the things I had always said that I wanted to do was change the world. I always said it. Um, I you know I was a part of MTV. I think had a a, a campaign of like save the world, and I had my save the Earth T-shirt, and I was you know listening to Michael Jackson's Heal the World, and and I was I was interested in in you know, maybe going into the Peace Corps. Um, I just wanted to to do something impactful for the world. And and somewhere along my journey of trying to find my calling, that kind of fell to the wayside. Um, and But in the salon, something started to eat me, saying, well, you were supposed to save the world. Um, what happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you're just doing hair. I started to second guess that career. Um, you become you're in a, a you know for like i don't think this anymore but at that time i thought you're in a very superficial industry right um and so i, I went home and and i and i and i started to to um talk to the family about like i i don't know if i'm if i'm doing the right thing anymore it was fun and it was creative and i loved it but all of a sudden i'm i'm feeling i'm feeling I'm feeling off. Something's eating me about 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 what I'm doing and um you know i i always joke i think the universe works in a very, very sneaky little way. Because about that time, uh, one of my clients came in and uh, the manager or the owner of the salon came to me and he said, hey, just so you know, she um, she's going to cut her hair really short. She's doing some some medical issues. And I said, OK, OK. So we went into the chair and, and she decided to take her hair, cut all her hair off and go really, really short, um, ultimately a buzz cut. And I remember asking her, oh, why are we why are we doing this? Um, you know, I'm losing, I'm losing my hair at a rapid rate and I'm not ready to, to take it off yet. But I know that when I do, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. I, I, I know it, right? So for this woman and for not all women, but for many women, hair is a part of their identity. And I remember asking her, why are we, why are we doing this here? How come you wouldn't do this at home with like your husband or it's, you know, it's... and she said, oh, I just wanted another experience with you, right? Because she had been doing with cancer and that's what she needed. And it, it goes back to the DNA of a beta and giving back and it was at that moment that I, the university you know, slapped me in the face and said, you're changing the world, man, you know, and, and now that's what I walk with. That's the, that's the power that I now walk in and say, we have we have the privilege and the and the responsibility to make sure that we are meeting the needs of, of how people look, but certainly feeling their their emotional cup so they can walk in the world. Because, you know, I do believe that when you look good and you feel good, you tend to walk with a little more pep in your step. You might hold the door open for people a little bit more. You're smiling more. And and, and again, you say it, but there's a ripple effect that's set into motion, you know? And I do truly believe that we have, we have such a, uh, it's such a privilege and an honor that we get to change lives like that. So that's part of that journey, that another segment of that journey. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to try really hard not to hijack this, but I feel I'm feeling so I'm feeling this so much. And I have a story that I don't know if Sonia, if I've told you this one or not, I know I've told it just recently, but um, it, throughout my life, you know, I was actually really blonde when I was little. And then as I've gotten older, it's gotten really dark. And so, and I can like right now I need to, to go get it done again, because when it gets really dark, it doesn't look like me anymore in, in the mirror. And so it's like, oh, there I am again. Like there's a, there, it literally is part of it. But when we were, when Jeff and I, my husband and I were younger, we lived, we lived abroad because, um, you know, we were these, you know, kids from 
the Midwest, really small towns. And his first job put him overseas. And so there we were, you know, kind of exploring and we were blessed enough. We got to go skiing in Cortina in Italy and we were there. And these women and men that were on the slopes looked like supermodels. Mm -hmm. They were phenomenal. And I had a breakdown. Like I was going back and I was crying like every night. I'm like, I just am so gross. And blah, blah, blah. like, I just, and imagine I was like 22, right? Like, so I was, I was really young at the time and Jeff's like, well, let's go get your haircut. And I will never forget. So we went into an Italian salon and I have never, I did not speak Italian, did not. And I've never done this before, never done it since. And I said, just do something. And her very first cut, eight inches off the back of my hair. And my husband was like, (laughs) but I tell you what, by the time we were done, it was still the sexiest, most fun, daring cut I've ever had. I walked out of that salon two hours later and I was in, cause she did color and some other things too. But by the time I walked out, I was like, I can hang with whoever comes my way. You freaking bring the queen. I don't care. <laughs> and it was amazing because three hours before that, I was a puddle on the floor thinking that I hadn't like, there was nothing. And I mean, that sounds very vain, but it, there's something to, I, I don't know. I think it goes beyond that. There's something powerful about it. Sure. Yeah, for sure. And then you go back to, you know, you, you know, you go back to cutting all that hair off, you know, I mean, if I speak to it, an energy thing again, what's in that, what's there, what's, mm-hmm. what trauma and experiences that of, of those years, let's get rid of them. Right. And so mm-hmm. there's, there's this shift in that. Right. And I remember, you know, Lenny Kravitz said it once before. And when he, when he first took off all his dreads, you know, I don't know when that was in nineties, maybe when he took all his dreads off, and everyone was like, what, what are you doing? Um, his, one of his comments was, you know, all the trauma and energy that was in that, it's got to go. And I, and I, again, I think that there's, there's power there. So when mm-hmm. we shift that for people, I think it's, again, it goes back to there's, there's something in there that happens for people for mm-hmm. sure. This, thank you so much. And yes, Hillary, this is the first time I've I've heard this story. And um, gosh, I'm mind blown in terms of of that weight of um, of what's our in, in our physical, like our hair. You know, um, so it's so interesting to talk about, like to to hear and learn about your your personal journey of converting. Like, wait a minute, I am changing the world. Mm-hmm. But now, as the director of education, it, beca- it it's your response. It's almost like a responsibility because you have shared. Um, on social media and et cetera, that it is my job to ensure that those that I train feel that sense of responsibility. I mean, could you talk more about how did you incorporate that, like that, that belief within you, did you put it into curriculum or like, how do you do that in terms, because maybe some people are coming in, like, I just want to do hair, honestly, I don't, I don't want to show up for other, I just want to cut the hair. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a, that's a, just like any, any new teacher, you go in with this kind of, with really your experience, right? It, you you know how you've been taught and very often you you just show up and do what the behaviors that you know, and that's it, right? Um, and I think it takes years of training and really a lot of experience to see that people have different needs, right? You know, we, we have this kind of this belief system or, you know, one of our models is that we, you have four different types of learners, Right. And there are those who, who feel and they need to know the connection on why this is even relevant. to what I'm about to learn, then you have those who don't want any feelings. They just want to know the data. Like what what do you need? 
with step one through 10, thank you. And then you have those that, that need to, you know, that need to, um, to do it right and experience it. And that's how they're going to learn those hands on the other people who are just challenged at all. And they're the ones that are out of the box. Like, what if this happened? Or what if I did it this way instead? Cause they're those forward thinkers. Right. So, but it takes a long time to, 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 to understand that. And when you're in, in my world, um, and I'm going back to, to and I'm speaking to this Florida specifically, you're not required to have a license to teach. Some states are required to. So here you can have any hairdresser who comes in and they just want to teach. And if we feel like they have uh, a gift there that we can work with, we'll bring them on board. And our, you know, and our job is to develop them. Um, so going come back to your original question is what I bring is experience. You know, I've been with our, with our schools now for, I've just celebrated my 15 year anniversary mm-hmm. And there was a lot of, uh, I mean, I've grown a lot because of the mentors that I've had and just being in the classroom and experience. So what I do now is when my team comes on, I really do as a director of education, try to create um, systems and programs and guidelines that I can, I can work with my lead educators on so that they can develop their new teams, whether it's in Tallahassee or Jacksonville or, or Clearwater Institute or South Florida, we have all these, and I can't be there to do it all. So I have to build my army um, and train my people who are my lead educators, um, give them the tools. Um, and it really all comes from either my experience um, or the people that that I trust and work really, you know, my mentors and say, well, what has been your experience and how can we package this up? And, and you know, and I believe that, you know, it takes a village to do it right. So I, I have a I have a, a very, uh, uh, you know, I don't even have an open door policy. My door is off the hinges. It's not even there. So if you <laughs> have an idea, <laughs> you bring it to me. And I, I encourage whether it's someone who's been in my institutes working for two weeks or for 10 years, if you have an idea, let's talk about it. If we've done it before and didn't work, we'll talk about why and how can we revamp it. Or if it sounds like that's interesting, we will test it out somewhere. And if it's successful, then I package it up nicely um, so it's easy to to translate and transfer to everyone else. So then we can then be that much more successful statewide. So, you know, I, it's not just, it's not just me. I really lean on, you know, I've always believed surround yourself with people better than you. Right. Um, so I really do. I, I try to encourage my team um, to, 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 to show up, bring me their ideas and let's build this together. Because even though I have that little title of like director of education, it's only because I have a team behind me who's willing to run it because they're they're the ones that are doing it daily. I'm just I'm in an office, right? Just trying to gather some insight. And but but you know, I, I really owe it to to my team. They're the ones who who do the work. I love I have to say, so both Sonia and I are are educators too. And I you brought me so much joy when you talked about how people learn and they learn differently. And I've, I've been frustrated about that. We go into companies a lot and I listen to managers and everybody. And I'm like, you don't even know how your people learn. Like how are, and it gets me really frustrated. And it dawns as on me, as, as you said that, and I felt my whole heart like, look, he knows, and he's seeing his people and he's valuing and he's trying to connect and it's important to him. It's so crazy to me that uh, that we do not have we have all these classes in school we do not have classes that are compulsory that teach us how we learn and the fact that other people learn differently because i was sitting here thinking you know your kids have got to be all the better for knowing that that you know that we learn differently and how many parents and managers and all of these people get frustrated they want 
you know, how, how do we get this lifelong learning? Well, first you have to make sure everybody can access the learning, you know, and anyway, I just want to give you huge um, kudos for, for that as you unfolded that. And I hope that people heard you say that as they're listening. And I hope that they look at their kids. And even if they're not a teacher, you are, you're always a teacher. You're always a teacher. So remembering people learn differently than you do and pay attention to what that is. Yeah. And that, that isn't that, and that, that is so hard. It's so hard to do. Um, cause we all have our different experiences, you know, and a lot of us, a lot of us, um, we have, like, I, like I said, with our history, we all have baggage. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to what I do, um, and I'm going to use color as an example here, but, um, you know, I've heard educators say, oh yeah, don't use that. Don't use that. Even though we teach it, don't do that because it doesn't really work. And I'm like, we cannot transfer our baggage to that learner because they've got to have their own experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you you have trauma from using something you, that you may have used wrong. Maybe it wasn't the right candidate. You don't know, but you can't, all of us do that. You know, we all have a bad experience and we, this bad taste. And sometimes we don't go there anymore, but sometimes we have to kind of step back and say, well, what more is there to that? You know, what did I miss? Right. So I, I think that that's, yeah, that's really, really, I think it's really important to, to, put yourself in other people's shoes. I think it's such a, it's just so important to do. Well, Sonia and I just, I'm sorry. I I don't want to interrupt you, Sonia. Go go for it. Well, no, and you feel free to to say this as you can jump in on this story. I also think that the, the other side of what you just said too is, is, um, is also apologizing when we do notice or not apologizing, but, but calling it out when we do being mindful of the fact when our own baggage does come up. We just had a really powerful experience with that. We were consulting with someone was consulting for us as we're, as we're doing some of our work and we had a very good idea in mind and how we wanted to do it. And he was very much like, no, and here's why. And da, 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 da. And then you remember what I, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. What, about, about five minutes later, what did he say, Sonia? Oh gosh, I don't remember that. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, I, he just said, I just didn't want to like, st- um, but he, but he said, you know what? I'm really sorry. That might actually work for you. I am feeling my own trauma of what happened to me and how poorly it went. And I'm transferring it to you. So, you know what? I'm going to take a step back and I'm just, you guys, I believe that you can do this. Go for it. And I was like, how refreshing to have somebody actually own their baggage in the moment as an expert and understand that that was there. For sure. Yeah, I think, you know, I think a lot of it, a lot of it, I always kind of when I look at people and I and I think, well, where are they? How do I need to work with them? Certainly in the hairdresser world, we have very big egos, right? But ego is always such a thing that tends to very, ego tends to show up at first and kind of hijacks our feelings before we have to step back and say, okay, ego, step aside. That makes sense. Or that didn't work for me again, that baggage. So anyway. And then guess what? When that happened, you just broke the ceiling and you just leveled up. Yeah. Like, oh, wait. So the ego actually smothers us in terms of our growth. Stop choking me, ego. Yeah. Well, I want to also acknowledge because, you know, we we started this conversation about the impact that that designers have on on their guests. Um, But what you just shared as well Yes, there's that sense of responsibility, and I want to make sure that my stylists know that. But you also acknowledge them. You see your students. You fill their cups up. 
Um, the whole idea of you saying, I have no, you literally have no door. Come on in with your ideas. Let's try it out. That value that that's filling themselves so they can show up for others. So in order, how can they possibly show up for others if no one is seeing their true hearts as Silas? And I just, that's so important. I think we're Hillary and I were seeing that that's the need right now in all companies, in all industries, in all schools, all institutions, you know, that that seeing others in true form is, is not, not just a nice thing. It's actually required. If you want to, if you want to be successful, um, you know, yeah. no matter, you know, no matter, no matter what you do, no matter where you work, we all, we all are usually uh, in some form of, of, of service, right? We all generally work to service people. And when we do that, all we're doing is we're just constantly pouring out. And so if someone's not pouring into us, there comes a point when it's like, is this worth it? I'm exhausted. I've given everything I can give. And so when it goes back to, you know, to, to, you know, your journey, I think it's important that, yeah, I think to be successful, no matter where you are and what you do, that someone is always filling up your cup as well. So that mm -hmm. you can continue to pour and give your best, you know? For sure. Well, I know that we, we slowly have to close up, but uh, I have one, one thing I would love to touch on and then maybe Hillary as well, but um, my, so my, my oldest daughter, you know, um, her last year at college right now, and she remembers her first year, um, she had five or four roommates. Um, and one of them was just failing out of college, big time, just really hard. And, and her, all of the roommates, they were very close. They got along. They looked at her and said, you know what? You're so good at, at, you know, she did hair really great, makeup really great. Why don't they, that these peers who just knew her said, why don't, why don't you consider cosmetology? And so she had a heart, she couldn't receive that. And she had a whole year of DNF grades. Really, that was where her heart was. She eventually did transfer over to beauty school in um, North California. But it was this whole idea of the narrative that she was really stuck on for a long period of time throughout her childhood. Go to college and you shall be successful. And yet for first year of college, she was tanking. And I would love for you to talk about um, when you do host these families coming into the Institute, what would you hope happens? You know, Cause this is a narrative that our young people carry for so long and to unshovel that, the courage to take that apart. It's huge. It's a lot to ask for. What is it that you hope in terms of families coming in and considering how to support their student? Yeah, so I think that you know, I, like I said, I think a lot of parents come in and had this dream of, of university, had this dream of, of having a child that's a lawyer and a doctor. At least that's the narrative that I grew up with, right? Um, but I, I think that, you know, what I try to share with parents, again, going back to just a lot of my story and a lot of uh, the experiences that I've had connecting with people and changing their lives, what I, I really try to, to push is, you know, we are only, we are only successful with our lives and our careers, if our whole heart is in it, right? So I just try to encourage them to to support their to support their their child in whatever it is they they want to do. You know, I I try to be authentic and and you know vulnerable with that to to say you know I spent years of my life chasing all the wrong dreams, right? And and I never met the standard or the goal or this 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 uh, this level that I thought was the level that I needed to meet, right? Uh, that was everyone else's, 
narrative and their, you know, their reality. And, and again, I always compare to myself. So I, 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 for me, you know, when I, when I think about the, the parents that come in and, and the, the people that are trying to figure out their calling, I think it trust your gut, right? Sit down, meditate. Um, and what brings you joy, right? And so for me, it's, 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 it's getting to work with people. It's getting to work in the beauty industry. Cause I think it's such a fun place to work. Uh, it's creative. Um, but what brings you joy? Because it's such a cliche, but when it's fun, it's not work. And there's so much truth to that. If you love what you do, you can't, you can't, you might have a rough day every now and then, but for the most part, I mean, you're having a blast. So for me, it's, it's, if for those parents, if this brings them joy, support them, nothing's going to be more valuable or exciting for them than to, for you to support them and, and, and just encourage them. And, and they're gonna be amazing here. I can't wait to, I can't wait to work with them. Right. Oh my gosh. That's, that's so, I think that's going to be the next thing that's going to happen is our audience is going to want to connect with you, get more information. How, what is the best way for our audience to learn more about you and Aveda? Yeah, please. Awesome. The only, you know, the, the only platform that I generally work on or, or connect people on is my Instagram. And it's Michael Anthony Mercado, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-M-E-R-C-A-D-O. So Michael Anthony Mercado, um, you'll see a lot of uh, my uh, tutorials, some uh, videos on education. Um, and uh, and just, you know, if you have any questions about your hair or uh, just about my journey or hairdressing or anything like that, um, I'm happy to, 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 I love to connect people. Oh, gosh. I mean, Mike, you are, you are lightness and we are so honored that you, you are here with us today, um, speaking our language. Um, I just feel like with the DH effect, that pebble that we're dropping into the world is just getting massively a bigger rock. Like I'm now I'm thinking like we got Mike on board. This is going to be like a boulder dropping into the into the world. Awesome. Uh, and we're everyone. We're going to have all of um, Mike's social media platforms on Instagram um, in the description, so you'll be able to easily find that. Thank you to our listeners and um, watchers, our viewers, for joining us for this episode. Please be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms as well as Mike's and subscribe to your favorite uh, podcast platform, whether it's YouTube or audio, so you never miss an episode. Check out our website, the DHE, <laughs> the DHEffect.com, uh, for more great opportunities to nurture your decided heart. Until next time. May you have the courage to live with a decided heart. <laughs>